Hello and welcome to another episode of Square State Sandlot Podcast. I am your host, Bill Montoya. I do appreciate you guys stopping in. And this is going to be a, a little bit different this time. Um, I'm hoping to have a lot of the fellow A's fans that are reeling from the news that they potentially could be moving to Las Vegas. So if you guys have comments, uh, put that in the uh, in the comments wherever you are viewing this and it should pop up. I should be able to see those. I should be able to share some of them as well. So um, I do want to thank you again for tuning in. Uh, you guys can follow us at any of our socials on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those fun places. We also are on Twitch. We're on YouTube. So however you're tuning in, I do appreciate you tuning in to, to watch this. I don't know what's going on with the... Uh, hopefully those boxes aren't white on on the viewing wherever you're you're watching at but um we'll continue on so obviously it's been a while since we've um last recorded uh kyle's been very busy i've been busy with work and finishing up the backyard so just uh a lot of things going on obviously in the summer and and not a ton of things to talk about in terms of the nfl um basketball's over i'll get to that at the the bottom of the episode um so the main thing that's that's kind of been driving me wanting to talk about sports is is obviously my Oakland days um, and potentially not Oakland much longer. But to get to that, um, obviously we had the news coming from Las Vegas where the Nevada State Legislature basically ignored the the will of their voters and passed a stadium bill to give $380 million to John Fisher, which obviously I think is a, a terrible idea. Um, and that's not to say things are done by any means, but it has been signed in by the governor. So at least their side of the public financing portion is complete. So it's, again, not a done deal, but public financing is done. So $380 million is backed by the state of Nevada, and I mean, John Fisher has that money available to him if he can get a deal done. So what are the next steps? Um, there's still plenty of hurdles to, to clear for them. Uh, the number one portion is John Fisher's $1.1 billion that he has to finance for, the, for his portion of the, the stadium, and obviously with the, the stock price of gap being essentially a third of what it was even two, three years ago, I know that's put some pressure on him. And I really think that's why he has uh, in instantly pivoted. It seems from Howard terminal to getting a deal done in Vegas when essentially Howard terminal, he said, we have to have all this ancillary development to even make it work. And it was going to be like a $10 billion project when it was all said and done. So I think at the end of this, he realized he wasn't going to have the money to get his portion done. And so they quickly pivoted to Las Vegas where they get a free handout, a tiny stadium uh, on that's not even going to be theirs. It's going to be publicly owned. They're going to lease the stadium. The land that they were given by Bally's Corporation uh, was they were sold it for a dollar, uh, but they only get nine acres of that 34 acre plot. So it's, I don't know. 
a nine acre stadium that's going to have to have a retractable roof because in the middle of June, July, August in Las Vegas, especially if you're having those games at 4.30 p.m., uh, it's it's going to be 110 degrees outside. So you have to have that retractable roof, which is obviously going to be a good portion of the the price of the stadium, which is right now stated at $1.5 billion for the total project. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I can only imagine costs are just going to keep going up based on inflation and all the fun stuff that we're dealing with right now as a, as a country. Um, so anyway, what are the hurdles that they still have to, to clear? We talked about the public or the private financing from Fisher's side. Uh, they have to have the plan be approved by Major League Baseball, which I think it probably will be just because it seems like they wouldn't have pushed this plan for John Fisher had they not had it in mind that they were going to pass it all along. Um, and there really are some owners that should have some gripes about it. I mean, essentially, the A's would be ceding the entire portion of Northern California to the San Francisco Giants, which will give a competitive advantage to the Giants. Uh, they'll take over that market. And I'm not saying A's fans will flock to the Giants to support them because I know I will not be doing that. But if they essentially take over that entire market, I mean, that's going to affect the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, um, Padres, all of those teams in their division. Um, yeah, it's just going to be even the Angels, it'll affect them. So I don't feel like those owners should be huge fans of it. The Rockies also in the division. So it has to pass with three quarters of the, the owners voting yes to for the move. They already said that they're going to waive the relocation fee, which is a joke to me. Um, and, you know, Rob Manfrod, he essentially said, we're not going to make them pay for a relocation fee to Las Vegas when they're going to have to put a roof on the stadium, which is going to increase the cost significantly. So um, it seems like this has all been the plan the entire time. Uh, like I said, I, I really thought Howard Terminal was going to get done, uh, especially with all the hurdles that the politicians in, in Oakland and California had jumped through to, to get this deal moving. Uh, but like I said, I think at the end, John Fisher ran out of money and wasn't going to be able to cover his portion of that plan and, and panicked and, and moved on to Vegas. So, the other portion that there the other hurdles they have to jump through is even though he'll be moving to this brand new stadium, there's a very good chance he's going to need to be on revenue sharing uh, because he's moving from the eighth largest TV market to the 40th largest TV market. So I know Jeremy Aguero for the record and Steve Hill, the, the representatives for this bill to get passed in Las Vegas. They were saying, you know, essentially they were citing the success of Allegiant Stadium. And I don't really think that you could compare an NFL stadium to a Major League Baseball stadium because it's not going to draw like that. It's just not, especially in the middle of summer when, you know, they're going to, I mean, their their parking plans are park at the, park at the uh, casinos that surround the stadium and walk there. 
there's going to be people walking there in, like I said, 100 plus degree weather on black top surface. It's not going to be an enjoyable experience to walk there, even if they figure out some kind of public transportation, which is part of the the bill that they approved. It's just it doesn't seem like a, a well thought out plan. So um, and I mean, the stadium, the renderings that they've released for it, they forgot that they only had nine acres so they took up the entire 34 acres of that proposed site in the renderings at the time they said that well we still don't have a site completely um, figured out yet but with the the sb1 that passed they were limited to the tropicana site so that's where they will be building it if they are able to so uh, i quickly want to shift over to (laughs) rob manfred aka manfrod I want to shift over to his press conference that he held at the owners meetings. And there were a lot of questions that uh, related to this project. So I, I took the article that Evan Drellich wrote for the athletic and kind of just bulleted out the points that are relevant to the A's and the questions that he was asked on this move. So I'll get into those real quick. Basically he was asked if he watched, or if he saw the reverse boycott game and he said, no, I was at dinner with the owners, so I didn't get to see it. Uh, And then they asked, well, I'm sure you saw the coverage of it. And he said, yes, I saw. And they asked, well, what was your impression? And he stated, quote, it was great. It's great to see what is this year, almost an average major league baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. So he kind of crapped on the, um, crapped on the the fans that showed up organized this reverse boycott did a thirty thousand plus dollar giveaway uh giving away the shirts that said sell to the owner um and then the a's tried to spin that in their favor by giving away the tickets ticket sales to uh some local nonprofits, and and basically said yeah like you guys did this, but here's what we did with with this movement and tried to take it over. So anyway, um, what I took from that statement from Rob Manfred is he's trying to minimize what they did, the fans did with that reverse boycott uh, by saying it was a almost major league average baseball crowd in the facility for one night. What he failed to mention is that crowd, that same crowd that he's disparaging in Oakland will be a sellout in the new Las Vegas stadium. And not only is that the sellout, they would also need 81 of those for every single home game in that stadium for the the math to work for them to succeed. And I don't know if you know this, but the Las Vegas, or excuse me, the Oakland A's are currently the worst team in baseball. Um, they had overtaken the Royals by one half a game um, after they had their seven-game win streak, but they lost the last two, and it looks like they're probably going to lose tonight, so they will hold on to the, the worst team in baseball at least for another couple nights. Um, that's not going to work if you're trying to sell out a stadium, if you have a team that is just losing at a record pace. Obviously, the, the seven-game win streak took them off that worst loss record pace but I have no doubts that they will continue that I mean they they have some promising pieces on that roster right now but it's not it's just not a a professional baseball team roster so 
Um, if you're planning on sellouts every night and that's how you're going to make back your money for the, for the public that's giving John Fisher this money, um, it's just not a winning recipe if you ask me. And the fact that the politicians didn't even ask these questions to um, John Fisher or Dave Cavill, um, it's, it's pretty disheartening. Um, and like I said, they, they're counting on 81 sellout games of the home games. And then they're also counting on, I think it was 11 other events that they would have in the stadium, such as monster jam. Um, they said potentially two hockey nights, which I don't know why they would have hockey nights there unless it's not going to be the golden Knights because the golden Knights already have a stadium there. So they would probably want to play in their own stadium rather than the A's. So maybe they'll do a midwinter classic or something and host two neutral teams on in the, the A stadium. I don't know what they're planning on doing, but it seems like a very half-baked plan. So um, anyway, getting back to what Rob Manfred said. Uh, oh, I guess I should mention every night's not going to be a sellout in Vegas. And the thing that hurts them so bad is when they have the smaller teams like the Rays coming into town and they only draw 10,000 people, they they can't make up for that when the Yankees, the Dodgers, a lot of those bigger teams that have those those fans that travel or they already exist all over the nation because they actually put money into their team. They're not going to be able to capitalize on that because they don't have the higher capacity stadium to make up for. So like if they were to play in Allegiant Stadium with 60,000 seats, when they had the Dodgers in town and the Yankees in town, they could fill up those 60,000 seats to help offset that 10,000 they only drew when the, the Guardians or the Rays are in town. So it's it's really just the math is not going to work in Vegas for them to to have the best case scenario. It's just not, no matter what they say. And all the economists say it's not going to work out. So, But you have a guy with a, a, ho- a hotel degree telling you it's going to work. So, so we believe him. But anyway, back to Rob Manfred. Um, he was asked, what kind of sense have you gotten from the owners in your kind of informal conversations this week about how they feel about a potential move? It's not really sneaking up on anyone. And he said, it has always been baseball's policy and preference to stay put. I think that always colors any conversation about relocation. Having said that, I think the owners as a whole understand that there has been a multi-year pushing a decade effort for where the mass majority of that time, the sole focus was Oakland. Look, believe me, and I hear from them, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland, which I'll continue the quote here in a second, but I don't feel like Rob Manfred actually has feelings and has no idea how to speak to the media. So this quote This portion of the quote so far is a joke to me, but I'll continue. He said, I do not like this outcome. I understand why they feel the way that they do. I think the real question is, what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer, okay? They never got to a point where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. And and it's not just John Fisher. You don't build a stadium based on the club activity alone. The community has to provide support. And, you know, at some point you come to the realization it's just not going to happen. So let's unpack that quote. Um, Obviously, most of that is a lie. And I don't know what my camera's doing right now. I'm going to switch over here real quick because it is freaking out. Um, anyway, 
back to the quote, he said all that stuff, which, like you said, makes no sense. Um, there's clear effort in Oakland. And so a the the mayor of Oakland, Mayor uh, Shang Tao, released a statement in response. She said, this is just totally false. There was very... There was a very concrete proposal under discussion, and Oakland had gone above and beyond to clear hurdles, including securing funding for infrastructure, providing an environmental review, and working with other agencies to finalize approvals. The reality is the A's ownership head has insisted on a multi-billion dollar, 55-acre project that included a ballpark, residential, commercial, and retail space. In Las Vegas, for whatever reason, they seem satisfied with a nine-acre leased ballpark on leased land. If they had proposed a similar project in Oakland, we felt confident a new ballpark would have already been under construction. Oakland showed its commitment to the A's, and that is why the A's belong in Oakland. So what the mayor said is essentially we already had a site proposed. We had cleared the environmental impacts. They had gotten the uh, port authority to agree to let them build on Howard Terminal. All of these things were clear steps to building on Howard Terminal. Everything from Oakland's side was done. They actually had $400 million in financing set up for this, or from the city of Oakland to do the on-site infrastructure. And then they had also agreed to another $400 million in off-site infrastructure in the surrounding area. So technically they had $800 million compared to the 380 that was on, or that is already been agreed to in in Las Vegas. So they have more money in Oakland. Also, another 30 million was just approved today to to be given to that project to um, redo Howard Terminal. So technically they had 830 million in Oakland. And like the mayor said, had they been willing to build even on the Coliseum site, they could have already been playing in a new stadium at this point. Uh, but like I said, I think... Fisher got very fixated on Howard Terminal and building that giant site with with uh, commercial properties, with uh, residential properties where he would own all that and would be raking in all that money. But I think with COVID and, and the stock price that of his major holding that is Gap, um, I think he ran out of money and, and wasn't able to fulfill that. So they should have pivoted and said, OK, we can't do this. What can we do at the Coliseum site or we can sell? Instead, he just basically took panic money from, from Las Vegas. So I love that the the mayor spoke up because it clearly hasn't been the politician. I mean, you can put some blame on the city of Oakland. They've already lost, you know, the other two major sports <laughs> holdings that they had in the city. They, uh, the Raiders moved because of John Fisher squatting on the state or the Coliseum site. So I don't really blame the Raiders, and that's why I followed them to Las Vegas. Obviously, it's closer to me. Uh, still a Raiders fan. I'll always be a Raiders fan. But I don't know if I'm going to follow uh, the A's to, to Las Vegas if they do end up going, even though it would be closer to me, very close to me. Um, as long as John Fisher is the owner of this team, I, I just don't see myself supporting them if they make this move. So um, anyway, we'll get back to the Manfred quotes. He basically was asked, do you think this is the best team that, that John Fisher could be fielding in Oakland? 
And he said, I don't make judgments about how people put their teams together. It's not appropriate for me to do when, in fact, it is because, you know, they talk about they want the the best product to be on the field for Major League Baseball. And that's just not what's happening right now. So he essentially is looking the other way while Fisher is pocketing this money from revenue sharing and and <laughs> uprooting a team from where they belong to wherever would give him the most public financing. So anyway, um, I read an article today by Tristy Rodriguez from NBC Sports Bay Area, where essentially she was just citing a um, an appearance by David Sampson, a former executive of the Marlins that worked on the Marlins getting a new stadium back in, I believe it was 2016 when they got that built. So he has some experience in, in dealing with relocation and I guess not relocation, but building a stadium and potential relocation um, as the Marlins were being talked about to potentially go to Montreal. Um, so he was on the Dan Lebitard show and still said he's not convinced the A's will move. The reasons he gave was there's no ballpark with a retractable roof that can fit on nine acres, which is the site that they have settled on at the Tropicana. Um there's been no approval to relocate yet. Obviously, they, the A's still have to file that paperwork. Uh, there's going to be three owners that are set to that project to approve or to go over the approval uh, paperwork and all that, make sure that the math adds up and, and all that. And that's a major thing that I think they're going to have a hard time showing is that this is a beneficial move to to get the A's into Las Vegas. Um no finalized plans for financing the stadium for John Fisher. Obviously, they have the public side done, but they still have no private side done for financing. They have no TV deal in place, so they've got no partner lined up for that. So there's a, a lot of things that have to be done before this could ever happen. And, I mean, his very first point was they can't build a ballpark that on nine acres with the retractable roof. So he said that part is going to be the biggest hurdle for them to even get over. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. They still haven't appointed a, a contractor for the, the building of this, this new stadium or anything. So there's a lot of, of details that still have to be figured out. And the public financing was just step one. So um, we'll see what happens with that. I, I really am still of the belief that John Fisher and Dave Cavill figure a way to screw this up because of how many stadium deals they've already bungled just in the, I think John Fisher was took over as the main, um, the main owner of this team back in, I believe it was 2006. And since then they have failed in every single, and I think there's been seven different sites that they've settled on. Uh, if you include the two Las Vegas ones. So I, until their shovels in the ground and the stadium's paid for, I, I really won't believe that they're making this move. So it's already been announced that they anticipate playing in the Coliseum throughout their lease, which ends next year at the end of next year. So 2024, they'll stay at the Coliseum. And if they have a deal in place for the private financing and all that, then they'll probably be looking at possibly uh, Sacramento. I doubt Oakland will uh, extend that lease for them except if they're willing to pay a, a huge increase in rent because right now their their Coliseum rent's only $1.25 million, so that's a, a drop in the pan. Um, obviously, they're not getting any of the naming rights or any of that stuff that they'll get in Vegas, but 
I mean, they're essentially paying no rent to be in the Coliseum when you look at the grand scheme of things. So I really, he echoed the the sentiment that he thinks that they'll find a way to screw this up and condemns that the handling of the stadium proceedings in both Oakland and Vegas, especially from the PR side of the A's. And I don't know, I mean, I'm sure all of you that have been following this have seen the the statements that the A's have put out in the past few days from their PR department, and they made essentially no, well, no, they made no <laughs> statement about the city of Oakland and, and how it supported them over the last 55 years, made no nod to the fans, no, hey, we're, we're sorry that it ended up this way. It just said, thank you politicians for giving us money. We look forward to moving to Las Vegas. And, and that was essentially the PR statement. So they're, they're bungling this in just about any way they potentially can. And that's why I, I still think they'll find a way to screw this up. And what I, I mean, I've been saying this every time we've talked about this potential move. I hope Joe Lacob is able to buy the team or Dave Stewart's group. I mean, Dave Stewart is a man of Oakland. He has an investment group that's ready to to buy an expansion team and and start one of those in the city of Nashville. But I'm sure he would jump at the opportunity to, to keep his hometown team in 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 their hometown. So uh, we'll see. Like I said, still seething over this a little bit, especially how Manfred and um, John Fisher have handled the potential move so far. But we'll move off of that a little bit. Uh, my question still remains why John Fisher has not been in front of a microphone to answer any of the questions that anyone has for him, including the media. He did not appear in any of the Nevada state legislator legislature meetings. Uh, I know he met with them in private, but during the actual questionings from the, the Congress people, asking, why would we give you this money? He was nowhere to be found. Dave Cavill showed up for the first day of the special sessions and answered a few questions, absolutely got destroyed in those questions, and then ran out of the building with his tail tucked between his legs. Couldn't answer any more questions because he was bungling them so bad. So anyway, um, in response to this, uh, Congress people from the state of California have introduced a moneyball bill and then i believe it was texas uh rubio i can't remember where he's from i think he's from texas announced another trans antitrust exemption bill so both of those will be considered um so <laughs> this whole movement i i believe the a's fans and their boycott have made an impact because They've gotten politicians to start looking again at the antitrust exemption that MLB has had for the past hundred plus years. And if they lose that, that's going to be a core. It's going to be a pain for the, the core of their business. So, um, Oh, Florida Logue's on Ben's on. Thanks, Benny. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I really am thinking that at some point the owners are going to say this is really bad for us to to be in this spot where we potentially lose our antitrust exemption where they've been able to underpay minor leaguers for the past 100 plus years um and basically keep their labor 
stuff all in the side of the owners. So um, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm very interested to see where this process ends up, and and I'll move off of that for now. I mean, I'm th- on 30 minutes talking about my A's and their potential relocation to Las Vegas. So all I will say is buckle up, A's fans. I I don't think we're at the the end of this process at all. So um, I will mention just before we move off of baseball that as the as of the start of the podcast, when I started recording, the Pirates were still holding on to first place. So Kyle should be happy about that um, division. <laughs> that division is so bad that I really think it might be one with the losing record. Um, I think the, the Pirates are one game above 500, sitting at like 34 and 33. Last I saw, they were actually losing. So they might be at 500 by the by the end of this podcast. So um, <laughs> Kyle... I'm I'm watching them. I've definitely paid a lot more attention to the Pirates than the A's on the field this year. So it just it kills me where the state of the A's right now. But Pirates are doing well. Um, love seeing Mitch Keller the way he's pitching. I mean they've got some exciting young players. They obviously extended Brian Reynolds earlier this season. Uh, I think they are building in the right direction, and they are potentially the team that I'm looking at you know, switching my affiliation to if, if the A's move to, to Las Vegas. But the thing that scares me about them and Kyle knows this better than anyone else, their owner is almost as bad as John Fisher. He tries to keep the payroll as low as possible. He has his brand new stadium that is, I've never been there, but I, I think without having been there, it's the number one stadium in, in all of major league baseball. So I will get there one day and, I look forward to to seeing that in person, but nutting is, is real bad. So, um, and then I will just mention, I think this should make any fan base very apprehensive of, you know, getting too attached to, to their local team because MLB has shown and commissioner, commissioner Manfred has made it very clear that they want a public private agreement for every single stadium They've already threatened to move Milwaukee if they don't improve their stadium. He just finished threatening Arizona today by saying, if if we don't have a new deal in place by the end of their lease, we're going to start looking at potential relocation for the Diamondbacks too. So there's this guy is just, I mean, he essentially said in, in the questioning that it's his job to secure public financing from uh, cities that are willing to, to give that up for subsidized billionaires in building their stadiums. So anyway, we'll move off of baseball. 32 minutes in. Um, I do want to congratulate the NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets. Tough to hate on them for, for winning their first NBA title. Uh, happy for uh, Jokic and definitely excited for Jamal Murray, especially coming back from his ACL tear against the Warriors. I believe that was in the playoffs or leading up to the playoffs back in 2021. So he missed a full year, came back and was not just, you know, a contributor. He was a force on that, on that championship team. So congratulations to the Nuggets and Miami. I mean, hell of a run by them, an eight seed coming out of the play-in to go all the way to the NBA finals taking down the the Celtics, uh, the Bucks. I mean, they, they had a absolute run and I think they just ran out of, ran out of steam right at the end, uh, losing Harrow. And I mean, 
Butler can't carry the team the, the entire time. So they had some great, I mean, really the Heat are a success story that you love to see because they had so many guys that were either undrafted or second round or overlooked in the draft. So hell of a run and, you know, it's a lot easier to like them when they don't bring in three superstars to to win their championships. And I mean, the Nuggets, they pretty much built their entire team through the draft. So that's great to see. I mean, we're not seeing these super teams anymore. Obviously, you saw the Warriors still have their core, but it's so old now that I don't know that you can necessarily say. But even that was homegrown, other than when they added KD. So uh, speaking of the Warriors, Bob Myers, their GM, he stepped down earlier. I think it was a couple weeks ago at this point. Uh, today it was announced that Mike Dunleavy Jr. will assume that role for the team going forward. So that's good news that we have some continuity in the in the front office, and I think Mike Dunleavy will do a great job. I think he has already built up the the relationships with the players. Maybe not so much that you know Bob Myers had, but that will take some time. But he is already in the building. The guys already know him, so I think it'll help having that continuity going forward. So meteoric rise for Mike Dunleavy Jr. I think he just stopped playing probably five years ago and he's already a GM in the NBA. So excited to see what he can do. It's going to be a pivotal offseason for the Warriors and, and what they try to do. They got to make a decision on what they want. If they want to hold on to Jordan Poole, if they want to hold on to Jonathan Kaminga after both of those guys kind of pouted because they didn't get playing time in the in the playoffs. Uh, especially after the contributions that they had made in the regular season. So Jordan Poole, I feel like he's more likely to be moved just because of the contract and the flashes that he's shown. Although I would like to see him on the team if he's willing to play in that six-man role where he's leading the second team off the bench and playing when Clay or uh, Steph inevitably miss some games as they start to get a little bit older. There has been some some chatter that potentially Clay could be moved because of his $42 million contract this upcoming season, which is the last of his deal. Uh, so they could either move on from him after this season or before this season. Um, and I would hate to see that, but Clay is obviously not the player he was prior to his two injuries that knocked him out back-to-back seasons. But he he was getting back to that. He he still showed that he is a regular in the NBA and could flash and, and be almost his former self prior to those injuries. So um, that's, you know, something to look forward to this this upcoming offseason. And as Benny just mentioned, he said Michael Jordan just sold the, the majority ownership of the Charlotte Bobcats. So. He will be out as an owner after I think he was he was majority owner for 13 years and they never won a playoff game under him. So I I don't know how Charlotte will feel about it, but I I can't imagine it will hurt them too much. So uh, and then quickly moving on to NFL, I don't have a ton of news. Obviously, we had DeAndre Hopkins. um, I feel like I just screwed up his name, but D Hop, as he's better known, visited the titans and the patriots still has no new deal uh we have the holdouts of the running backs that haven't signed their franchise tags yet in um josh jacobs and saquon barkley both of those guys said that they're going to take a stand for the future running backs which 
they don't really have much leverage because if they don't sign their contract or their franchise tag by, I think the cutoff is July 7th, they basically have the option of either signing it and playing or not signing it and sitting out the season like Le'Veon Bell did. That obviously didn't work out well for him. So I can't imagine that they'll take that route. Uh, the problem is neither of the teams really have incentive to pay them more than the franchise tag because if you look at, I think the largest contract that was signed this offseason was three-year, $24 million. And obviously, if you do the math on that, it's, I think, $8 million a year. Yes, $8 million a year. So that's less than the $10 million that they're getting. Obviously, they're better players than the guy that signed that. I think it was Miles Sanders that signed that contract. So I don't know what needs to be done. Uh, I think ultimately they'll end up reporting and hopefully, I don't know. I, I feel like the Raiders can win six games without Josh Jacobs like they did last year. So I don't know where his leverage is. I, I love the guy and I think they would do worse without him, but the team's not significantly better than it was last year. And we're looking at, you know, six games they won last year. So I don't know. Like Logue said, running back market is ice cold. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, ever since Christian McCaffrey signed his contract, the deals just keep coming down further and further. Obviously he's getting paid well and he kept getting injured when he's with the Panthers. He did very well with the, the 49ers last year, but, I mean, you just take a huge risk when you sign a running back to a long-term deal because there's a very good chance that they're not going to play well throughout the entire length of that contract. So I think what needs to be done, which can't be done until the new CBA, which is the CB, the current CBA goes through, I think, the year 2030. So you're looking at seven more years of, of the current setup. But I think what probably needs to be done is they need to cap the running back contracts at three years for their rookie deals and and not give the teams the options to extend that past the fourth or fifth year so essentially if they perform well in the first three years well if you want to keep them you you got to extend them past that past that three years at a new deal Um, or you got to make the you got to make the franchise tag hurt more um and I don't know what the answer to that is, but maybe you average the the top five from every position other than quarterback. So it's not completely unreasonable, but that would get them probably up in the 20 million range for, for one year if you've tagged them. So again, none of this can be done until the CBA is expired and, and they're working on a new one. So in the meantime, it makes sense that the running backs stand up for a better deal for for their teams but i really don't know what what the answer is so anyway with with that being said the raiders <laughs> they're i don't know i don't know what's going to happen jimmy g had surgery in march and still is rehabbing uh that's why they signed that amended contract and postponed his uh press conference with the team another day when they were going to announce that signing. I don't know. A lot of things going on with the Raiders. We'll see. It's way too early to speculate. The coaches aren't worried about Jimmy G, so I don't think we should be, but obviously we'll we'll see what happens with that. So 
I, I'm going to cut it here. I, I do want to thank you guys for tuning in. And if you guys have any questions for us, go ahead and get them in. We'll, we'll read them on one of our mailbag episodes where we answer a lot of those questions. Um, look forward to speaking to you guys in the future. Take care.